0: with me in my foul life
1: podcast world what's up the foul life podcast is back another episode of foul thoughts scis foul thoughts brought to you by our friends and family our brothers and sisters at safari club international did you get your membership Have you been to a banquet lately? Are you excited for January 19th through 22nd, 2022, Las Vegas, Nevada, the SCI Safari Club International National Convention? It's on like Donkey Kong. The guests have been announced. The speakers have been announced. The joke tellers like Larry, the cable guy have been announced. What about freaking... What I Love About Sundays by the Craig Morgan. We've had Craig Morgan on the podcast here. He's an outdoorsman, a conservationist, a hunter, a supporter of Second Amendment, a life member of Safari Club International. We're going to have them all in Vegas January 19th through the 22nd, 2022. I'm excited as heck. And I just wanted to say... Thank you to Safari Club for supporting the culture and standing up for hunters rights putting hunters first all over the world squirrel hunters in Alabama to zebra hunters in South Africa to Canada goose hunters in Saskatchewan to dove hunters in Cordoba Argentina it doesn't matter where you go we can't take it for granted it is our right to hunt it is a privilege to hunt. But I've been educated a lot in the last five years on what it's going to take to keep this great lifestyle, this great culture, just the entire aura that comes with being a hunter, a conservationist, a provider, a fisher. It's the best life in the world. And today we got the head of government affairs, SCI, Ben Cassidy, back on the podcast. Ben, my brother what's shaking.
0: Brother, you're looking at it, man. I'm so happy to be back on here with you. It's been a long time coming. You know, a lot's been going on all summer. Now we're into autumn. Can't wait to catch up with you. Um, You got me hyped up about our convention. Like you said, this week we made the the big announcements on the entertainment. It's awesome to just roll it all out and have a nice display over four days, you know, of who we are, what we are, what we stand for. Like you said, you know, doesn't matter where you hunt, what you hunt, how you hunt, you know, wear that house for that. It's awesome for just once a year at least to be able to open those doors up and have all our different you know members in one place so it's going to be quite the shebang 50th anniversary last time in vegas before we take the show on the road um out east to nashville and around the country so going to be more excited um we're we're lasered in and yeah the big announcements this week have really got a lot of our members jazzed up
1: but i want to get into the convention big time today but the convention is a celebration. It's a brotherhood, a sisterhood. It brings us all together in this little place we call the strip of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, it is a celebration. It's time to rejoice. It's time to shake hands. It's time to smile and hug each other. And it's been a while since we've been able to do this, right? It's, it's coming back together. But I don't want to forget the fight that goes on daily, I don't know if you would call it a struggle. I don't want to call it a struggle because I don't think that we're struggling to have the right people in the right seats on the bus to make sure that our rights as hunters are being fought for, you included. President and CEO, Mr. Laird Hammerlin of Safari Club International. The right s- people are in the right seats on the bus, Ben, but there are fights going on. Let's start off, before we get into the convention and s- the celebration of... Not na na na. look at look at what we did, we got you, we won this one. This is what we come together to do. That's what hunters do, right? That's what we do in hunting camp is we come together to pay homage, to respect the resource, to have compassion for the animals, to be one with nature, to show our respect to the man upstairs and to have brothers and sisters and loved ones around us, around that table leading that wild game bounty. But let's talk about what it takes to get to that celebration and that it's not to be taken for granted. Let's start with Chipman. This was a big headline in the news, Safari Club, National Rifle Association, the NRA. Okay, Laird even said it on the podcast. You've said it. If you're a shooter and a gun owner, you become a life member of National Rifle Association. You're a hunter a fisher conservationist. You become a member of Safari Club International or a life member of SCI. Talk to me about what was going on, what the Biden administration was going to appoint Shipman to be the leader, the head of the ATF. This was going to be a bad omen for what you and I and all of our brothers and sisters believe in. Please take us through who he is, what he was potential of, and how this all got you know put to the wayside, at least for the time being, because I know that everything could come back. But right now, this was a pretty good victory. Is this fair to say, Ben?
0: Yeah, I think it was tremendous, and I think it's really due to hunters, gun owners, making their voices heard. Um, You know, we at SCI work as a platform to be able to put our members in touch with and advocates in touch with decision makers to make sure that bad nominees like David Shipman don't get through. And this is really a case study in how powerful the hunting community's voice really can be in affecting change and protecting those freedoms um, th- that we were talking about, I mean, David Chipman's background—he um, was an ATF employee, got handed loads of money by you know gun control groups like Gabby Giffords, every town, Michael Bloomberg—to uh, lobby for them. So took that money, uh, lobbied on behalf of gun control, um, from you know firearm restrictions, ammo restrictions, and beyond, background checks. Um, so he had it on his resume that he was not a friend of firearm owners of the industry. Of you know, the industry that pays for conservation, right? Through Pittman Robertson. Um, so we saw it for, for what it was. Um, President Biden nominated him to be his his director of the ATF, and we worked quickly. We worked with you know our allies like NRA and NSSF um, to write up a letter um, opposing his nomination, writing it over to the Senate. We got you know over twenty other hunting groups. To get on board with that letter, you know, ranging from your ducks unlimited, like I said, over to like an NRA. Um, with that, laid a marker that was unprecedented. Having seen the sportsman's community get involved, just because it was so obvious in how much of a threat he would be, uh, given his positions on shutting down um, firearms and what pays for conservation. Um, just to top that, you know, when he was with Gabby Giffords um, as a lobbyist, he was a witness that opposed the SHARE Act, which was the biggest sportsman's package that all the community had been working on, you know, a couple of Congresses ago. So he was standing in the way of, you know, priority legislation for the sportsman's community and wanted to shut down funding for for our conservation model. So we had that piece in place and then we wanted to get all of our members involved. You know, we're really focused at SCI in empowering our membership, you know, getting them all the, 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 the honest truth And then showing them how to leverage and use that truth, educate, activate. Um, So with that, you know, we took it to our members, kind of explained, you know, why he was such a bad egg and how they can make a difference. And we saw over eight thousand, you know, folks engaged and get in touch. Wait, say that you broke
1: broke up for one second there. How many folks got engaged?
0: Over eight thousand SCI members. Awesome. Yeah, direct engagement, man, and it it made a massive difference. You know. this was this was something that I, when we first started it, everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion, like elections have consequences. This guy's going to get through. It's going to be a total disaster. It's like, well, let's wait. Let's let's work on it. Let's have the American people speak up and let them know what we really think. So we had, you know, our folks talking to a whole variety of senators, you know, important decision makers, you know, had to swing some votes over on the Democrat side the way it's split right now. So. Had our folks in the ear of, you know, John Tester in Montana, Joe Manchin in West Virginia, Angus King in Maine. And when it was all said and done, we got through the August recess and Biden pulled the nomination because um, it wasn't tenable. They didn't have the votes for him. And it's really credited to the hunting community for standing up and speaking up. It's a powerful, powerful coalition hunting is because it's, it's bipartisan it's a, throughout the the entire country there's a constituent in every single district that believes in what we believe in but it's just on us to be able to speak to it and that's the platform that we provide you know at SCI so really excited about what happened how it played out um and just want to you know thank all of our members and every single hunter advocate that's out there that stepped up
1: Mr. Ben, in layman's terms, explain to our listening audience and myself, educate us with your experience in government affairs, being on the the nation's capital at the forefront of this for many, many years. With your experience level, please explain to us and educate us on... You said after the recess Biden pulls it because the votes weren't going to be there. How does this work? The I, uh, the House of Representatives, our Senate, every th- you guys get 8,000 members engaged, you have all of this these people, you know, writing in saying that we deter we do not accept and support this nomination. How does it go from there to where the President of the United States, Joe Biden, does what he did? Because it seems to me this man has the most comical sense of, of confidence in the world with what he tries to get done with a lot of the policies that he's put in place since November of 2020. And I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole of getting in an argument about, with anybody about what we think of our president. But how does that work that all of a sudden this man that seems so confident with everything else goes, oh, wait a minute. Wait, maybe I made a mistake. There's no way that this guy's going to get in now.
0: It all comes down to simple math. In the Senate, you need 51 votes to get any of these nominees through. And you, they do their the whip counting to see if they've got support of 51 folks um, and they did not have it. So with the simple math, they knew that putting him up would just be a black guy and embarrassing and wasn't worth that to them. They, they, they were overconfident in nominating David Chipman in thinking that they would be able to peel over votes from say moderate Republicans but he was such an egregious, over-the-top, bad nominee that every single Republican said, nope, not going to play ball on this one. So then he had to rely on every single Democrat to be on board, including Democrats that were from you know, rural Western states. Um, with that, he wasn't able to bring them over either, uh, just based on their constituency, speaking up about it, being aware of it. You know, like we make folks in the North Maine Woods, aware of what's going on and that their senator has a final say and whether or not this happens, they're going to speak up. We do it, you know, in Dolly Sods, you know, of West Virginia. They're going to speak up. They're going to talk to their senator, make sure that he doesn't vote on it. So without those 51 votes, the White House knows that they're not going to get it through and they pull it because they're not going to embarrass themselves any more than they already had.
1: And I, I'm going to make a statement here, Ben. I want you to tell me your opinion on this, with Chipman's ability to come out and and, and 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 you mentioned the lobbying for you know different you know different people, different individuals, different organizations, committees that he's done throughout the years. He's obviously proven himself to be anti-gun rights, anti Second Amendment, anti-hunting. What does it mean that? We continuously see folks in this position that are literally surrounded by armed guards, S- Secret Service, security. Uh, doesn't matter if you're a Hollywood actor, a big time artist, singer. I see so many people on the soapbox speaking out against gun rights or hunting or ethical treatment of animals or whatever it is. You know, PETA is a huge lobbying group, people for the ethical treatment of animals. What does it mean, though, that when you see this, they're all protected by guns every day as they walk in public, their homes are protected by Secret Service or security guards that are armed. What is this telling us that it's okay for us to have it, but it's not okay for you out there to defend your family? It's got to be an easy decision for Americans to see. I don't care how Democratic far left, far right you are. It's got to be a no brainer, correct? When you see all these people being protected by armed guards.
0: Yeah, they're acknowledging that it works. Right. But it it just comes down to them having this idea that different rules apply to them. Right. And I mean, all it is on its face value is just sheer hypocrisy. Um, Nothing more than that. I mean, it's laughable when it's, you know, not for the common man, but it's good for, you know, my, my my own protection. I mean, it's it's just it's gross to see that.
1: Well, let's move away from actual, like, quote-unquote Second Amendment, which we all hold that very near and dear to our hearts. We know how valuable and 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 important our Constitution is. And thank God for SCI and what the National Rifle Association stands for. But let's move away from the actual concealed or open carry permit or protecting your homes, and let's move into hunting and conservation, Ben Cassidy. Where— do you see some effects like right away what what potentially could have this nomination if it was withheld and voted in do you have any idea like what some of the first things that he would maybe have gone after or potentially gone after that would affect our rights as american hunters or worldwide hunters
0: i mean i just say he's very clear on the record during the hearing in wanting to ban all ar-15s all modern sporting rifles right i mean that off the bat is the number one most popular rifle in america and just as much money from, from an AR-15 as from a Browning over-under goes to conservation. So you wipe out all, all those firearms, and that's less money going into the pot. So off the bat, I mean, that's what he's already stated on public record. I mean, that's just unacceptable for, from the get-go.
1: Do you, do you think that there is an argument at all? Talk to me from your leadership position. Of when people say the AR has got to go, whether it's our friend north of the border up in Canada, who the prime minister up there has been on public record saying the same thing that's even outlawed there. Um, Why? Why, Ben? Why why do we need them? Why is it? Uh, our right to have an ar because that's the one that is always looked at right that's the one that is like that's the one we're going to ban no biden our president of the united states potus has been quoted as saying nobody needs an ar-15 why is it always that gun they pick on and why do you personally and obviously professionally feel that there's no need to pick on that gun because of why ben why is it okay for us to have an ar-15
0: I mean, the fundamental question is, why is it not okay for us to have an AR-15? The reason why you see it being pointed to constantly is it's the easiest firearm for them to demonize. They put all of their talking points into talking about the one firearm to make it the single symbol. Back in the day, Brady campaigned for handgun control. That was focused on handguns. They tried that out in the 80s and 90s and it didn't work, right? So they moved on to a different target, one where they're easy, able to easily lie about how it functions. I mean, you'll constantly see folks that are on the other side, they know nothing about firearms. They will purposefully mistake them for being full autos, right? Weapons of war, things like things of that nature. It's easy for them to demonize and for them to, you know, make up what it actually does. Um, That's why I see them using that as the example. I mean, obviously the consumer and the American sees it very differently. It's extremely popular for a number of reasons. They're fun to shoot, they're effective, they're great for home defense, they're great for getting out and target shooting. So it's just sheer messaging on the other side. It's, It's a calculated attempt just shutting it all down i mean they're not there to just stop the ar-15 they just want to point to one that they see as low-hanging fruit and then move on to the next target i don't see anyone in the gun control universe ever trying to work their way out of a job they're not going to just try to ban the AR and say, awesome job, we did a great thing, let's close down our shop now. That's when they just move on to the next target. But again, I just think they see it as their target for demonizing. It's what they focus in on. They've tried it previously with other firearms like handguns and they're gonna
1: keep trying it the
0: the way they are now. That's how I see it. I'm not sure how you do,
1: Chad. Oh, I, I I could utter the words you just said, and I have several of them, and I was ma- I was having a conversation less than a week ago, Ben Cassidy, Government uh-huh. Affairs Lead for Safari Club International. I was having a conversation about how many guns I do have, and I might have one, and I might have more than one, okay? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say. It's nobody's business, but I promise you that none of them have ever been involved in any violence or any illegal situation ever and they've been on this property and prior properties i'm in my mid-40s i've i've owned guns since my dad gave me my first 410 when i was five so what gives ben where What do we look at as hunters, conservationists, Second Amendment supporters, members of Safari Club International? We could look at right at Chicago and look at the violence and the murder and the homicides being taken place in unprotected neighborhoods. Is is this something that we shy away from how do we get this notion to more and more people that might be on that fence because i've always heard ben that hey there's a lot of there are some anti-hunters but most of our country that does not hunt is on the fence or they're just uneducated about it or they're just undecided right they just they're not like against it they're not saying oh outlaw they just need a little bit more of that fabric of that education of why it's important i say it's important to, for us to get out there to show this unapologetic attitude because there is no better reason and no better time, in my opinion, Ben Cassidy, to be a gun owner for protection of your family and friends and to put food on the table than right now. We saw it with covid We see it with the crime in the inner city right now. Why can't I protect myself? It doesn't make any sense. Why can't I put food on the table? Why would anybody in their right mind, if they're thinking clearly, if they're not stoned out of bejesus, and I mean that wholeheartedly, if they're not just crazy, how could they say you don't have the right to put food on the table for your family and friends and you don't have the right to to defend your home and your family? It makes zero sense. There's got to be people out there going, this makes no sense. We gotta vote the other way. What's it gonna take to get everybody on the same page?
0: I mean, it's not a solution overnight, right? Um, like you said, it's ten percent of the of the population is with us, no matter what. Ten percent's against us, no matter what. Eighty percent in the middle that can be talked to and have it explained to. And I think there's one message that appeals to every single person that's out there. But we've seen, you know, a lot of it comes down to us just being able to explain. Um, what it means to us, scientifically, how, how it's important and what it means for, for, for conservation, right? You have these three components go into it. I think it moves a large swath of folks, but it comes down to being able to explain rather than use emotions to, to drive it. But at the end of the day, I mean, we've done tons of polling. There's just a huge segment of the population that's always up for grabs and would fundamentally get it once explained, you know, why we hunt, what it does for, for for conservation what it does for clean eating what it does for getting out and enjoying nature and that clicks that resonates that converts folks and has them understand
1: ben my daughter would vote that i don't want to brush my teeth every night daddy i don't have time i want to watch cartoons i want to spend as much time playing before bedtime i don't want to brush my teeth there's no need for it i'd say baby girl Scientifically proven, it keeps the dentist away and it keeps cavities away. You're not going to vote on this with your emotions of wanting to have fun until 9, 9, 9.30 p.m. every night before you close your eyes to get ready for the next school day. You're going to scientifically be shown that brushing your teeth two to three times a day is going to keep a bunch of different things out of your mouth with gum disease, cavities, etc. I know that this is elementary, man, but it's the same thing. Scientifically is how we should be voting. Is there any scientific data that you have ever seen or witnessed that shows that wild animal populations, and let's just take continental America to stay small, 48 states right here. Let's not even include Asia, Africa. Let's not include South America. Let's not include Hawaii or Alaska. Just the continental 48, man. Has there ever been seen by you scientific data that says that our wild animal populations would be in better use or better health? better numbers if it wasn't for the conservation efforts of hunters
0: No, nope. there's the exact opposite that's demonstrated that since being regulated hunting has benefited species across the board not just species that we even hunt but across the board based off the model we've set up i know it, it can't be argued with what we have for facts and for science and for what we see today i mean we're in the golden age today for wildlife populations in the united states and that's really having come into place since the beginning of you know since since, since the early 1900s when our when our conservation model was put in place so it's it's irrefutable
1: what would happen you live on the eastern part of the country what would happen to The whitetail, where, where is the whitetail deer population? I want people to understand that in where you're at in the district of Columbia, New York, Eastern Pennsylvania, all over that entire region there. Will you please tell our listening audience how abundant let's, okay, that's, that's given away the answer. Are there a lot of deer in that area? Because it's New York. There's no deer in New York. There's, there's no wild game in New York. Tell the truth, Ben. Are we in trouble up there because the, there's no animals left? absolutely not nobody in my
0: neighborhood hunter or non-hunter is gonna argue that they can't find a buck right now <laughs> they're everywhere to be found in my neighborhood and it's a suburban neighborhood of DC uh, they're not they're not hunted openly in the area that I'm in directly um, and they are everywhere every every I think every neighbor here has an issue or a bone to pick with whitetail because they're all up in their gardens.
1: But wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. They're eating their gardens. They're getting hit by grandma on her way to the store on her way to right. church on Sunday. But we don't, we, we want to chastise the hunter for keeping the population under control. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Really? They're mad. Yeah. They're mad that there's too many deer. They are of course. Cause they're in their yard. Do you know the rock band of the 80s? And I don't know if I would consider them a rock band. They were a duo. They had unbelievable harmony. She's a rich girl and she's gone too far because, you know, and then what I want, you've got. And I heard Daryl Hall one time on public record say that he has a goal to exterminate the deer in New York because he's so sick of them. Doing what they do and defecating on his yard and eating his apple tree and being hit by his scooter in his car. This is coming from Daryl Hall saying we need to get rid of the deer. Yeah, but then they say no guns, no gun rights, and no. And I'm not saying Daryl Hall says this, but it, you can't talk out of both sides of your face. You you either want the deer population controlled, which is conservation management hunting. Or you just let it get out of hand where they they get disease and that goes through the entire neighborhood and kills off way more than the deer to where now nobody gets to see a deer? Or do you want hunters out there doing what they do, keeping the doe population in control, keeping the buck population in control, and making sure that it's balanced? Isn't balance the right answer?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, by its own definition, balance is is what we all want, right? Right. any, Any extreme either way isn't a good thing. And conservation model's proven.
1: Wait a minute. So you, mean, so you mean we shouldn't kill them all, which hunters don't, right? We kill one or two a year, depending Regulated on the hunting. state. Regulated Obviously, right. What, what, why is it so hard to see? Why, why can Daryl Hall say, let's exterminate the deer, but then when we go out and we kill a few of them, because extermination is a terrible word. That's what you do to wasps in summertime around your swimming pool, because you don't want your kids getting stung. We don't want to go yep. kill every deer. But why, why why is it so hard to see?
0: (laughs) So, I mean, it's not, it's, especially when you get to cities, the whole culture, the activity, just the idea of being outdoors for a number of folks in, in cities is just so foreign to them. We're so removed from where our food source comes from. We're so removed from just how we interact with other species. Um, that folks just don't understand the fundamentals it's just it's a lost lesson you know and who's going to teach that lesson today we're not all taking hunter safety course it's not part of a you know s- school curriculum i mean it behooves hunters to be able to explain it to understand it to spread the gospel on it that's where it comes down to i mean you're working with a basically an uneducated audience in 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 a, in a number of ways
1: do you th- do you think that with the shift after COVID during the pandemic, right now with the uprise and hunting licenses and fishing licenses, do you feel confident that we will maintain the new members of our hunting family and community because they are going to see just how amazing the life is because it's very easy to say I'm going to get a hunting license it's very easy to say i'm going to go out and try to hunt but it's not easy to be consistently successful this is a skill set right this is a, a box of tools that you have to hone in to be consistently successful to put food on the table how is sci involved through mentorship program and hunt programs let's get down to teaching these new hunters ben cassidy maintaining these partnerships with new hunters of like giving them the confidence this can be done. Oh, you got how? Where'd you get this wild turkey meat, Chad? Oh, I was in Kansas and I struck one up. I got out there in the dark and yep. he's on the roost and we struck him up and we got in place and you try to teach him. And there's only so many days in a season that you can mentor. But what's SCI's view on this and what are you guys instituting right now to, to, to help these new hunters find that confidence?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're really involved with the, uh, council to advance, uh, hunting and sports shooting. That's a awesome organization. It's made up of all the different, you know, hunting NGOs that focuses in on, you know, is that R3, right. Of recruit, retain, reactivate. Like you were saying, it's one thing to recruit like happened last year during COVID and get someone out there. It's another to retain them, you know, and make sure that they had a good experience. Um, I think that once you get out and you go hunting, you realize that it's not all about the kill, right? But obviously folks do wanna be able to bring some meat home. So there is that piece of it. If you go out and it's been a, been a hard hunt and you didn't come back with anything, are you gonna be inclined to, to go back? Um, I think if it's, you know, the right person has done right, I mean, that experience alone will, will bring the, the person back out. But I think it also behooves, you know, organizations like SCI and just mentors in general, um, to just be there and be available um, to come and take folks out, but yeah, incredible opportunity right now with this whole new audience based off of folks that have hunted for the first time just in the last year alone, and knowing that that's still a huge untapped market, that there is something brewing that's having people want to get out there and try it out, whether it's you know just a different way to enjoy the outdoors, or if it's you know the allure of having some some you know clean food that you harvested yourself. Um, we're doing a lot, you know, talking with with a number of our our members um, in their messaging and how they put it out on, you know, say social media. Um, we've been doing a lot of outreach to folks that have, you know, good audiences that haven't hunted before, you know, to get them versed on it and show them how to do it so they can share it with other friends and audiences that haven't hunted either. Um, seeing seen good gains that way, but our work's cut out for us. Um, I wouldn't say that just seeing one year is a trend, right? Let's see how how this next, you know, run of season goes and the following season to see if it is a trend. It spiked up last year, but we were already at a precip- precipitous decline, right? We're already hitting a a low number. Um, there's plenty of room left for more folks to get out hunting. I mean, I've seen some stories. You know, in some magazines about people out west getting upset about new hunters showing up on public land, which I hate to see that. Um, I just don't see this as, as an elite activity. Um, I think it's something that's for everybody. I think it's part of what like our just American fabric. Um, and I don't like seeing our own try to close the door and make it into an exclusive club. I mean, we're taking the approach of of getting the word out there, introducing it to folks and explaining it. But again, we talk a lot about access, you know, at SCI and expanding it, keeping it open but it's not just physical access, right? It's access to hunting. It's very, can be very um, intimidating, right? If you've never hunted before, to even get wrap your head around, how do I even go from my basement in front of Zoom to being out and have my certification, know what I'm looking for, get the kill, harvest it, bring it home, you know, um, and all those lessons are available and easily taught by, you know, yours truly, right, by by our own members. Um, so it's us making ourselves available and understanding, you know, where the uninitiated are coming from, and how we're the ones in the position to make it unintimidating and to introduce them to, you know, our heritage that we love so much.
1: Do you wear camouflage in public? do you ever do you ever con- do you ever concentrate on hunters how they're they're proud of this culture and they're not apologetic about it but do you see a lot of it when it's not hunting season of who the hunters are and who they're not it's it's like you go to a big sporting event or a concert or a festival or something and you can't really like look around and go oh there's a hunter oh i assume he hunts she might hunt I asked you the camouflage question because it's so unassuming to me these days, Ben. I've been watching in all these audiences and these people that I've been privy to meet or whether it's celebrity or just everyday walks of life. There's a lot of people that don't celebrate the hunt, even though they are a hunter, when it comes to mentorship and making sure that people understand, I'm not saying that we got to have our buck hanging out of our window when we kill it. Okay. I'm not saying that I'm just talking about how do we get involved with SCI to celebrate the fact that we are hunters. We, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, well, I don't want them to know that I kill animals. We've got to keep fighting to show people through scientific research and data that it's okay to kill animals. It's okay to know where your food comes from. It's not okay to say, don't hunt, but eat this burger at Wendy's or McDonald's. Go grab some Chick-fil-A. Holy shit. Can you imagine all the chickens that are, that are being hunted for Chick-fil-A's to keep opening up on every corner in this world? I don't want to get into the, the, you know, the, the argument of anti versus, versus pro, but how do, how do we show people that it's okay? to be unapologetic and be prideful in it. But at the same time, Ben Cassidy, we have to make sure that that respect is educated also. You don't want to put a black eye on this. We don't want to show a coyote being abused in a snare. We don't need to see a bunch of birds being thrown around like they're cordwood. They just gave up their life for us. You know what I'm trying to say is that there's this balance there. Again, there's this teeter-totter of I'm proud to hunt. But I'm also not going to go out and disrespect anything. And then the, the question arises because of the inner fighting. I don't want to fight with somebody because they don't think that I'm in a wheelchair and I can't use a crossbow during archery season to kill a deer in Montana. It's crazy talk. The inner fighting has got to stop. The, the ego has got to stop. But we've still got to show our pride in being a hunter, if that makes sense to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, 100% does. There's enough mud being flung at us from folks that don't agree with us for us to be throwing it at one another, right? I mean, that's why SCI end of the day is here. It's first for hunters, right? Whatever you hunt, wherever you hunt, however you hunt, you know, that's that's what SCI stands for. We're not here to divide the community. Um, I I hate seeing that. Um, I had a really good experience over the summer. Um, I was up in Maine for a family reunion, and it was around my birthday time. So it's like my birthday, we're gonna have some some moose meat that my cousin Ted had harvested in the North Main woods, you know? And all my like relatives that aren't into hunting, I mean, number are, number aren't. Um, they're like, oh, like can we have something else on the menu? Like, how about a lobster? Or I'd like, rather have a steak. I don't wanna eat this moose that cousin Ted got, you know. Um, so I was like, just trust, you know. So we prepared it right, you know, sous vide and everything, grilled it off, didn't finish on a traeger, but still so came out delicious and served it up, right? And the folks that had been like, I mean, like, just try a bite, you know, have a bite. And they tried it all. And they're like, this is delicious, you know, it's incredible. I can't believe I can't get this at the store. You know, I wish I could have more of it. How do I get more? And then you work it back from there. Tell the story of how it went from living in the woods to on the table being talked about and such great words, right? And there were there were converts there. I mean, it's a step at a time. We didn't go right into the back and start, you know, sighting in a rifle for for those relatives, but it's one step at a time. And at least now had privy and insight into why it matters, how it's, you know, the, the same process. I mean, it'd take the same process or a much more gruesome process, right? To go from getting that steak from the grocery store, to, to where you're sitting and the story that was told, you know, and, and the pride that was behind, you know, having provided for that whole table. So I don't know, there's different ways to do it. But I, I thought that was really cool to just see it and kind of work it backwards. Like, here, have a bite of this. Ooh, that's delicious. Can I have another bite? Yeah, but you want to hear where it came from. And then hearing where it came from, you're like, wow, okay, I get it now. I understand.
1: It's so it's such an unbelievable story in two ways. Is one I'm envisioning it because I want to be. I think that like some surf and turf with a main lobster and a freaking moose tenderloin or backstrap doesn't get any better. But on the other side of it is like, what a great way to bring the keel <clears throat> to the forefront by backing into it. You're bringing it up front by backing into it, which is so key in in a. In a our, our conversation, you know, this last 10 minutes just came full circle with how do we do it? Well, you have dinner and you invite a bunch of people that have never done it.
0: Just, just, it's like leading off with the dessert. Just give them the sweetener first and then go to the, and then start at the beginning from there. Yeah. I was, uh, I was shocked. I mean, again, there was like, there was a lot of consternation and fighting ahead of time. You know, like I don't want to have moose for dinner. <laughs> it's like, trust me, it's going
1: to be incredible. <laughs> Have you had the opposite happen? I've done this so many times with people where, <clears throat> excuse me, um, man, this is awesome. These tacos are great. This steak is great. Oh, really? That's mule deer. Whoa, I'm ta- now they don't take another bite. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just made sure you got through three quarters of your 132 degree perfectly prepared medium rare venison backstrap that was killed ethically, did not suffer with a skill set that took years to hone in and master. And now you're going to tell me you're done eating it because you know, it's deer. That makes no sense at all. Have you had that happen to you?
0: I have not.
1: I would laugh really hard if I saw that, though. <laughs> I've seen it. You're not going to finish that? Come on. Yeah. Like, really? You're not? You've just you're uh, going back for thirds. Yeah. It's like, are you going to eat your fat almost kind of attitude? I thought you're going to reach over here and grab some of this one, Uncle, cousin Eddie. Chill out over there. And then they're like, oh, I'm not touching that anymore. I don't know about the, cl- uh, the cat, Clark, but I'm sure enjoying it. Let's move on To celebrating, because I love that story right there. That's so awesome, picturing you guys in Maine and having everybody fired up about Bullwinkle on the platter, right? (laughs) That's how we perceive things. Oh, it's Bambi. Oh, it's Bullwinkle. No, it's not. It's crazy talk. Stop. Convention, (laughs) January 19th through the 22nd. This This is more than just being on the strip in Vegas. How are you preparing for it first of all let's just talk about covid still with the governor in nevada i know firsthand i know that it's been talk of the shows and the conventions in vegas with mask mandates how is this possible to celebrate something when you can't see each other
0: we don't know what it's going to look like then right i mean we just got back like our our whole board you know we got a giant board at sci we're like almost 300 people on it. Right. And the majority of them went out to our board meeting, which was at Mandalay Bay where the convention is going to be held. So we're kind of kicking the tires on it, having some of our August meetings there. And it was awesome. It wasn't, it wasn't all held back. I mean, there weren't room limits, you know, uh, there weren't the mask mandates, unless you were walking through, you know, some of those public spaces. Um, it went really well. I don't think anybody ended up getting sick with even, you know, what I'd call a cold. I mean, Everyone enjoyed Vegas the way it was. That's when I was telling you, Guns N' Roses was there that night. You know, that Saturday night. Oh yeah, was it Friday night? It was incredible.
1: You Uh, went to you went to the raiders Stadium.
0: I checked it out. It was pretty cool.
1: Oh, you lucky!
0: It's cool, man. Very jealous. I'm I'm looking at uh, what is it? December? i got the Redskins or the Washington football team going out to to play the Raiders?
1: I saw you hesitate. No, but talk to me a little bit about what's going on at the board meeting and what your outlook is on the mask mandate. First of all, before we get into what's going to be thrown down.
0: I mean, we'll see what happens. Nobody can predict the future on it, right? We're planning everything, all systems go. We're back. We're having a show. It's been since 2020 that we all got together. Everyone's dying for it. We've done everything we can to just pull out all the stops, have all the right entertainment in place, all the incredible auction items. Exhibitors are all signing up um, to come in. I mean, but you can't you can't control external forces, right? But I just don't. I personally just don't see the genie being put back in the bottle. I don't see people staying locked down. I don't see people not traveling. I don't see people not wanting to be together in person. Everyone's been craving it, and we're just putting out the optimal venue and avenue for people to come together you know, and it's all systems go on it. You talk with, you know, SHOT Show there at the beginning of the week, work towards the end of the week, they're all systems go. I mean, I just see it as a huge celebration for the entire community uh, just coming together and enjoying Las Vegas and one another's company and just celebrating what we celebrate.
1: How is it looked upon with what this brings to the overall economy let's talk about conservation dollars at work right duck stamps licensing all the money that is put back into conservation and hunting to protect the resource habitat the animals by hunting sweat equity elbow grease financial means now you take this convention ben cassidy and you put it on the strip This is another no-brainer of just overall tourism dollars, revenue drive, cash registers ringing, gas being bought, food being bought, not to mention that handle on that slot machine, hopefully going cha-ching once in a while, but they're not building those casinos because Chad and Ben are winning 90% of the time, okay? Let's keep in mind that this is a revenue driver. So I would think that the people that don't support hunting and don't support shooting but do support revenue. Now, is that hard for them to see? Like, look at what Safari Club's doing again. We're not nickel and dime in this. We're not going into a Motel 6 over somewhere where nobody sees us and just keep to ourselves. This is a celebration that's going to bring a boatload of money into this area. Not to sure. mention how many times you've done it in the past. So, again, here's another no-brainer by hunters. This is hunters doing this. I don't see PETA going down there and having a national convention and all these cash registers ringing. I don't see PETA driving up to Canada right now because they have a vaccination proof card and they're going to all these small town, rural towns in Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, Ontario, British Columbia. I don't care what province. And... Putting gas in their truck and renting hotel rooms and buying food at the local Chinese restaurant and the local cafe and the local bar and buying a pickled egg up there in Canada because they're so freaking good at the bar. I don't see PETA going up there and doing it. These outfitters are dying on the on the limb up there because we're not there. Very few of us are up there again this year. Outfitters that are used to running eight hundred bed nights got sixty bookings this year with let's keep in mind zero last year. So now Vegas is going to tell us, wait a minute, if you don't have your mask on, you can't come here. You can't come here, but we could watch the Emmys the other night and see not one person in that freaking room with the mask on. What gives? What gives, Ben? This is bullshit. If I could say a bad word, excuse my Francais. (laughs) You're I am. A show, baby. <laughs> I'm just telling you, bro. I love what, it. What gives? We're, I don't see PETA up there in Wilkie, Saskatchewan, buying food from my friends at the Chinese restaurant that we would cook ducks with every day when we're up there. And we it's paid awesome. them every day big meals to feed 12 of us at a time. That's not happening right now, Ben.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, can I just kind of interject a little bit of politics into it all?
1: Please, that's why I have you here. Because I get yeah. too emotional. I'm not voting with emotion. I'm emotional right now. But the scientific data supports that Vegas has grown because people go there. The scientific data supports Canada towns flourish because of hunting and fishing. And the number one country that goes there to hunt and fish is where? Right here in the continental United States, going north of the border. And we're not doing it. This is the second year in a row I've missed. I have not missed one year to Canada since 2001 until last year. And we bring a lot of people up there. And I'm not saying that we're the end all, but yeah, please politic me.
0: Yeah. Just, just quickly, you know, uh, in, in the Nevada legislature, their majority leader had introduced legislation, a bill uh, towards the end of the session to ban carrying um, specifically on MGM properties. And, you know, we're, we're at the Mandalay Bay, which is an MGM property. Um, And so that's the, the majority leader. Introducing a bill and a session, you know, that's pretty primed up to to go through, but it's just an emotional bill that doesn't address a problem going up against the sheer number of dollars that hunters are going to bring into town. Why would you upset the economics of hunters coming in happily to Las Vegas, pandemic or no pandemic, to celebrate? So that bill died um, because of that voice coming into it. That hunters were going to be turning their back on Vegas and not bringing their dollars there, so it speaks loudly and it's not unnoticed. But I love how you contrasted against a, a PETA convention because now my mind's going to that, trying to imagine it. <laughs> Just doesn't seem like a fun place to me. Really. It would look.
1: It would look like a Biden rally. It would look like a yeah. Biden rally. And you know what's funny is that every single one of them would be wearing their Hollywood fur coats and not knowing where that fur coat came from. That's what's sure. nuts. That's what's nuts. Yep. I get Dad. on I, I get on one once in a while because I've had so many phone calls from my family up in Canada. Not blood family, not immediate family, but they're my family, and they're sure. just like they're just like it's just wor- it's just devastating to them. You know that there was a huge percentage, over forty percent, of Canadian outfitters that did not renew their license going into twenty twenty one. Ones without farming operations and and sub- subsidiary forms of revenue and income for their families. Some of them might be generational farmers. Some of them might be startup businesses. They they have no other way of income. This is how they make money, isn't what that was the percentage? Oh, I, I, the last I heard was almost forty percent of outfitters did not renew their licensing. So what gives? What like how could Trudeau look sit there and go, oh that's good for Canada? That's really good. Like it's the it's the it's like the the apex. It's like the climax of duck and goose hunters. Right, lake trout, northern pike, moose. Duck and goose hunting, mule deer hunting, whitetail hunting, sheep hunting. I can go on and on. Canada's got it all. It's God's country, really. Montana, I know it's all called God's country, and I'm not using that term lightly. I'm saying that can you imagine all of that revenue being taken away just like it potentially could with mandates in Vegas and hunters turning their back on our economy? We've lost so much economy in the state of Nevada because of this. It, it's, it's unbelievable. We've shut down our entire state because of it. I'm not looking and taking lightly the deaths and the hospitalizations, okay? The scientific data supports all of that, too. We've seen the percentages. There's something else going on here, just like there is with Trudeau in the, in the, in the border. It's all because of this vaccination deal and everything. And I'm looking at it like, wow, there are so many people being just thrown to the wayside and being put out of their put out of their livelihood in their homes because of it. it's It makes me really sad, Ben.
0: It's pathetic. Don't get me started on Trudeau. What, what he just, he just called for another election, got reelected, what on the 20th, uh, without any change to the government really. Didn't get the majority you thought he would get from giving out money, trying to buy votes, you know, using um, COVID dollars. Uh, what a joke, cost $600 million, I think, to run this election just for nothing. I mean what a selfish I mean I have no respect for the guy
1: none like zero like I look at him God. and I look at him and, and his biological brother Gavin Newsom and just shake my head and go you guys are absolutely ass clowns like it makes me so mad that you would treat your public like this it's 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 really it's really really sad I drove through uh, some of the inner cities in Los Angeles and San Francisco within the last month on trips blows my mind yeah, literally I it blows my mind to see what's going on to our country what's going on and what's happening to our country it's it's not they say if you gotta if you want to make change get involved well we are involved we are involved we're ready to make change we 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 had a recall on newsom we had trudeau on the on his heels and it just it's like how did that happen how did that just happen that you're back I don't get it. I can't believe that you're back. Something had to happen because I know that if you drive through almost every neighborhood north of San Francisco, there's not a lot of support for either one of our president or the governor of California. How did it happen? How? How are the people in these cities that walk walk out of the Intercontinental Hotel in downtown Los Angeles and s- see what's happening to their city? How can they go, oh, yeah, yeah. this this is where we want to be. There's no way. There's just, I just don't buy it
0: will never understand
1: it man it's like nightmare on elm street 15 just over and over and over the repeat (laughs) so are me and you going to laugh our butts off at larry the cable guy during the convention together are we going to sit together and just hammer down on some larry the cable guy jokes or what
0: i would love nothing more i'll be the first in there which means you'll be the second in there
1: i love larry we'll be
0: the first and second we will be the two last ones out. Me too. I can't wait.
1: Absolutely love. I mean,
0: the the the, the whole lineup, like you're saying, with Craig Morgan. I mean, Tucker Carlson, Don Jr. Um, there's Let's a lot more over. that we're going to be. Tucker
1: out. Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump Jr., Larry the Cable Guy, Jim Shockey, Edward C. Byers, Craig Morgan, J. Allen Smith. The the national convention is going to be, and that's just to name a few. Plus the festivities, the seminars, the speeches, the outfitters, the manufacturers, the gear builders, um, advocacy events, the advocacy events, the, the, advocacy, the, events, advocacy. the advocacy events we the, the January 19th through 22nd is going to be filled with pride, pride right. on the strip of Las Vegas. Yes.
0: Beginning to end. Absolutely. I love it. How if do we get tickets? How do we get tickets? Website safariclub.org. Right there. You're not going to be able to miss it. The banners are all over, slapped all over the website.
1: And where is it? Where is it once we get to Vegas? Where do we tell our Uber goober taxi driver to go?
0: Mandalay Bay. I timed it. I think it's 12 minutes to get there. Airport to, to door. Mandalay Bay just we're just we're just squatting there for four days and owning it south end of the
1: strip right next to the t-mobile arena right across the street from the mgm mandalay bay right in the middle forget, and, and uh just short walk to the new raiders the stadium. new raider stadium allegiant right allegiant stadium yep. where you witnessed axel yeah. you at you witnessed w axel rose and duff mckagan and slash and dizzy reed and all the new members of guns and roses Probably started with Night Train, ended with Paradise City, mixed in some Coma and Estranged and Mr. Brownstone and Welcome to the Jungle and Sweet Child. I, can, I could sing them all by heart. You said like you a, weren't
0: there. What's I the- wasn't. <laughs> I just
1: know. I just know that. Sounds
0: like the Oranges.
1: I love I saying, Guns and Roses.
0: Can I ask you, has there ever been, is there another band in the history of all music that has had such an outsized impact with basically just two and a half albums. I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: 1986, Appetite for Destruction, which was about 15 to 25 years ahead of its time. Still the number one selling rock album of all time and not one bad lyric. Like so clever and geniusly written every song on there. Uh, you're, you're talking about the days of uh, talk dirty to me and look what the cat drug and I'm not saying nothing taking away anything from Brett Michaels and Poison or Warren or Tesla but I'm talking dangerous band comes into town and just turns Sunset Strip on its head then comes out a year and a half later with the B-sides of lies with a live A-side then the B-side acoustic with Patience and One in a Million and Used to Love Her and You're Crazy and then all of a sudden they go on a four to five year hiatus and then in 92 they come out with Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 the red and orange and the blue and black albums double album which were genius of all accounts and then it just dies they wait two to three more years come out with a cover punk album called the spaghetti incident they get in a big fight axel and slash hate each other 10 years goes by axel puts out chinese democracy with all new members of guns and roses and now they come back five years ago and sell out every stadium worldwide worldwide they did 490 490 million dollars in revenue on the not in this lifetime tour and now they're on the were and back tour and they're doing it again selling out stadiums. but yeah your question is like the stones have like 40 albums led zeppelin has like 20 albums guns and roses for whatever reason That's i get i get personality the greatest band of all time lyrics stage presence musicianship i love freddie mercury i think he's a great frontman. i think robert plant is genius i think scott wyland of stone temple pilots and velvet revolver amazing but axl rose hands down the best lead singer frontman of all time and one of the greatest songwriters in rock and roll history and he is the best singer not proven scientifically but he's been voted oh, yeah. the best lead singer of all time to hit every range of octaves there are i don't know i'm i'm on one now what does this have to do with um, hunting because we're in the jungle baby <laughs>
0: <laughs> i saw axel fill in for acdc oh my a few years ago and he oh. just crushed it it was amazing. as
1: good as brian johnson so good as good as brian johnson i mean
0: uh, close your eyes you know yeah he's incredible and i just love how he changes his shirt like twice a song it's
1: i know like, there's a uh, come out with next he's like the dolly partner rock stars <laughs> there's an interview with angus young saying the best the best rock and the best singer of all time and axel's not shown is that right there And he points and then the camera shifts over to Angus's right the audience viewing left and it's axel rose and axel's just like shaking his head like wow but it, just unreal i'm envious that you got to see him i've seen him so many times i could tell you stories then of my uh childhood i was a I, was, I don't know if i was a groupie i don't know how you define a groupie <laughs> i wasn't a groupie but i was i'm still Super all man. about I'm, I'm so all about guns and roses but man i appreciate you coming on here i love talking all oh, this yeah. with you so much passion and pride ben cassidy safari club international government affairs national convention january 19th through 22nd 2022 mandalay bay the strip las vegas nevada i can't wait to see you all there any closing words my brother
0: I think you nailed it on the head. I mean, if you're missing out on Las Vegas, we've been waiting for you. We're back. I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, it's just, it it will be the best of times, the greatest of times, one to remember, one to carry us into the next 50 years, right? This is our 50th anniversary that we're going to be celebrating. Um, And it's the last one that we're going to be having in Vegas for for a good long time um, after we start taking it out on the road. So, you know, miss at your own peril. Um, But yeah, safariclub.org, You'll find the tickets right there. Start buying now because all the evening events from Larry the Cable Guy to Tucker Carlson are going to be selling out first. So want to make sure
1: everyone that needs to be there gets in there. I will be there. You will be there. We're going to hold hands. We're going to put arm in arm. And because it's the golden anniversary, 50 years, we're all going to sing the golden girls theme song together. Thank you for being a friend. I'm throwing back some vintage nostalgia right here. Estelle Getty. Okay. We are going to freaking rejoice and celebrate our hunting heritage and culture and lifestyle and right and privilege. It's beautiful. Put your hand, put your hands in the air, sing it sing it just put it up there (laughs) thank you for being a friend and then we'll go right in she's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as a bright blue sky now and then when i see her oh axel bring it axel keep giving it to his brother ben cassidy safariclub.org Get your tickets, get your passes for the convention. We'll see you in Vegas. Thank you, Safari Club. Thank you all for being members. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Foul Life Podcast, Safari Club International's Foul Thoughts. We'll be back at you with another episode soon. Tom, Jake, hit that button. This is my boy, Leith Lofton, a.k.a. Haas, singing his chart-topping number one hit. What you going to do when the money's all gone? be
0: poor living off in a hole, rich without
1: Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone?